Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another PC Boys podcast. This is going to be a very jam fact, uh, jam packed podcast. I hope you all enjoy. Uh, today we're going to be covering quite a few different topics. Now we're going to talk about the Call of Duty Cold War uh, Season One Battle Pass. We're going to talk about the Call of Duty Cold War uh, Season One Rebirth Island event um, and the cross progression with Modern Warfare. Um, we aren't going to do a complete Season 1 review yet. I haven't played the Nuketown mode on uh, multiplayer for the uh, Christmas event. I haven't played any of that new stuff yet. But we're going to go over the Battle Pass because that's something you obviously can see and check if the rewards are worth it. Um, but yeah, so we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to talk about Spider-Man 3. And a few new possible um, villains coming to the, the movie. Uh, we'll be talking about that. Um, and then, lastly, um, we're going to talk about Doom Eternal and the post that was up on um, Instagram recently. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, the first thing I'm going to talk about is uh, the Call of Duty uh, Season 1 Battle Pass for Cold War. Do I think this is worth the $10 buy? And in my honest and humble opinion, I'm going to say no. And I'm going to be real with you guys here. This Battle Pass seems very generic. And I'll explain why. So, when it came to Call of Duty Modern Warfare's Battle Passes, I would say that Season 1 for Modern Warfare was also generic. If I had to do a re-review of Season 1 Battle Pass for Modern Warfare, I would say don't buy it. There wasn't really anything in that Battle Pass worth getting. The Mara skin wasn't anything revolutionary, even though it is a beloved skin now. At the time, it wasn't anything great. And on top of that... Um, the weapon skins and everything weren't that good. The only thing that was cool was the watch as the skill tracker watch. Now, they have the same watch in Cold War, mind you, in the Season 1 Battle Pass. Yeah, they're reselling you the same fucking thing as they did in Modern Warfare, but for Black Ops. But you can still use the Modern Warfare watch in Warzone. So, literally, it's just a skill tracker watch specifically for Black Ops. You can use it in Warzone, but you already have one for Modern Warfare, so why would you use the Black Ops watch? Anyways, the skins, I don't really like a lot of them. Stitch is cool. He's a cool operator. He'd be the only reason I suggest buying the Battle Pass 4 just for Stitch, but other than that, it's not really worth it. Adler has a uh, cool uh, Tier 90 skin. But other than that, I would say the the skins are very um, lackluster. When it comes to the two new weapons, the Mac, uh, is it 11? Mac 11, I think it is. Um, I don't like it. Um, I'm not a big SMG guy, though. So it's it, that obviously will play a little bit of a biased role into my review on that weapon. And I can't really say anything for the AR yet because I have yet to unlock it. But when I get it... I will then be able to let you guys know what I think about it. But all in all, I don't think that this season is worth buying. I, of course, got it because I bought the Ultimate Edition. And in all honesty, I'm just kind of like, eh, could have been better. There could be a lot more things in here that are better. There are some good weapon variants in this Battle Pass, 
But other than that, I would say no. Now, what do I think about the store skins really quickly? I think that there are a few good ones in there. The one for stone I bought yesterday. Um, that one was probably easily the best one. Then there's one in there for park, and she looks like somebody that, you know, does graffiti. That one looks pretty cool. I know there's one in there for Adler for Miami, which looks disgusting. There's one in there for Park um, for a bank heist, looks disgusting. There's one as Adler as a cowboy, which is pretty pretty creative, but not my cup of tea. But I will say it is a very creative skin. Um, but yeah, so ultimately, in terms of their stuff in the store, not a strong hit. You had a few things in there worth buying. Not a strong first update for skins. Um, but yeah, so Cold War... In terms of their battle pass and stuff, if I had rated out of 10, I'd give it a 6, you know? I mean, there's a few good things in there, so it's not complete and utter old garbage, but for the most part, it, it is. But it gives you some, you know, reason to play the game other than ranking up and getting XP rewards. Um, and by the way, the Prestige Shop is not working right now, so that's something they gotta fix. Um, and you can go up to, I believe, Prestige 6. Or seven. But anyways, uh, no, maybe it's eight. I don't know. I'll have to look at it again. But yeah, moving on to the next, um, the next thing, the Rebirth Island event. Now this, I am pleased to say, is a great addition to Warzone. I love the Rebirth map. Now, it is Alcatraz, reskinned, but it feels roomier, and it feels Modern Warfare-esque. It doesn't feel cartoony, like... Black Ops Cold War graphics, it feels really good. And it actually feels different. It doesn't really feel like Alcatraz. Like, they changed it, the, the um, aspects of it enough, like the Soviet propaganda and everything, makes it feel like its own thing, which I love. And I can get behind. So I gotta say, amazing work with Rebirth Island. I'm having a lot of fun playing it. And now that, of course, Modern Warfare, Black Ops, and Warzone has shared progression, which basically means regardless of what game you play, rather it's Warzone, Cold War, Modern Warfare, your level in all of the games are the exact same. Regardless of which game you play, you can rank up your battle pass and rank up your rank. So it's really nice to see that um, when it comes down to it all. It makes everything a lot easier, so maybe if one night, you know, you're feeling on playing Modern Warfare, you know, you aren't ranking up completely separately on Modern Warfare, you're ranking up your Black Ops stuff at the same time, but having fun on a different game. So that's really cool, and I really like that as well. So yeah, I would say the update all in all, other than the Battle Pass and Cosmetics, is good. Um, I played the Zombies mode last night, like the Christmas Zombies mode, it's pretty nice. Um, it's a nice, light-hearted change, you know, they got some different, you know, Christmas music, the zombies look like, you know, they got little Santa hats on, and fucking the map itself looks, you know, a lot more Christmas decorated and stuff, so it's nice, it's a nice change of pace, it's not too, too different from the normal zombies mode, but it's, it's a nice holiday theme, and I really like it, I have yet to play Nuketown, I have yet to play Raid, but I'm gonna say it right now, Raid's a 10 out of 10, let me, I mean, I don't need to play Raid to know how good Raid is. Mixed with the, mo I mean, the Cold War gameplay, yeah, probably would suck. But it's not the map. The map itself is fine. It's just the game surrounding it isn't good. But I'm not going to fault the map itself. It's a great, brilliant map. And one of the best maps ever out of Treyarch history. Raid, Standoff, Nuketown are like three COD maps that you have to have. <laughs> 
Like, hands down. You have to have those maps. So, um, moving away from Call of Duty now, now that you know my thoughts on those things, um, I do have to say, um, in Spider-Man news, there's a few interesting things. So, there is a rumor, um, that, uh, Green Goblin, William Defoe's Green Goblin, and Sandman from Spider-Man 3 are gonna be joining the cast of Spider-Man 3. Now, I'm great, and I'm all for them adding as many fucking things as they want, but they need to make this work. Okay? This is the problem I have with Spider-Man movies. Mainly with the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. With the second one. When you add a lot of villains and you don't give them any character arc or anything to do, those villains become wasted potential. Now, if you were doing a Sinister Six movie, I get that. But you need to develop the Sinister Six. You know, you can't just throw a bunch of villains together that all just want to kill Spider-Man and not have them have some per- personal stake in it. One thing Spider-Man PS4 did great is it gave the Sinister Six motive, right? Oh, Dr. Octopus, or Doc Ock, or Octavius, promises Max Dillon that he will become pure energy. Rhino to release him from a suit and cage... Scorpion, I think he wanted a lot of fucking money or something. I can't remember exactly his motive, but it wasn't something really great. And then, of course, finally, Vulture curing his cancer. That, my friends, is a good motive for the Sinister Six. And to help Octavius kill Spider-Man. Not only do they want to kill Spider-Man, but they got other alternative motives to why they're in the group. Which is nice. They need to do that with the movie. There's got to be some reason why they're there other than just teaming up to kill Spider-Man. Because that's kind of a lame narrative to me. Yes, that is ultimately why they are together, but they need some other stake in it. Like Sandman's daughter gets captured. And that brings him into the fold. Because we know at the end of Spider-Man 3, he was on good terms with Spider-Man. The Green Goblin, well, he just maybe he's the leader and he just wants to kill Spider-Man anyway. So he doesn't really need anything more than just being insane and want to kill Spider-Man. So maybe he takes the Sandman's daughter. Um, they say Mysterio is going to come back too. That's another one that I've been hearing. Um, you know, Mysterio being like, oh, well, you know, he fucked up my chances of being a big superhero and looking good. Um, I, I still hate Mysterio's fucking plot and whole arc. It's so stupid and childish. Uh, for Dr. Octopus, I mean, I don't know what to do with him. Because he was on good terms, too, at the end of Spider-Man 2 before he died. Um, yeah, so some of the things are really gonna have to work out. But, that's all I gotta say about Spider-Man. I'm really excited that they're adding all these things together. And it's a big fan service movie. But, they need to, they need to make it pay off. They need to make it pay off really good. And I don't know how they're gonna do that. So, the final thing I wanna talk about in this podcast is the Doom Eternal message. Now, this is going to be a relatively brief subject, but essentially, they yesterday on Instagram and probably other social media uh, outlets, put out a post that talked about their struggles this year and how they thanked us as a community for sticking with them and, you know, pushing alongside them through this whole thing. Um, and ultimately, I get that. You know, that's that's really nice. Especially when the Doom community has been pretty good to them. They talked about the Ancient Gods Part uh, 1. And, you know, how happy they are with us and that. And they were talking about how they were disappointed with, you know, not being able to release Invasion Mode and other multiplayer content. However, 
They said the Ancient Gods Part 2 will be a culmination, and I believe they said conclusion, to what started in Doom 2016. Which begs the question, if we're going to be killing off the Dark Lord in Doom Eternal, the Ancient Gods Part 2, who are we going to be fighting in Doom 3? That's the biggest question on my mind. Because they're clearly stating, oh yeah, this is the ending of Doom 2016 to Doom Eternal. So this big-ass story arc that we thought was going to be in a third game is getting wrapped up in a DLC expansion for Doom Eternal. So my question is, how are they going to make Doom Eternal's expansion, you know, how are they going to make a Doom 3? Like, what villains are we going to be set up with for Doom 3? Because if Doom Eternal, if we're killing the devil himself, in Doom Eternal's expansion number two, coming out earlier next year, my guess would be around April-ish, March-April-ish. Here, here, here's the thing. Well, no, it'd have to be before March. It'd have to be before, because if it's part of the year one pass. Um, but I don't know. What, what are they going to do? Are we going to be fighting the Sentinels? Are we going to be fighting Angels? Is there going to be a new leader of Hell that takes over? Or is this going to be an imposter of uh, the devil himself? We just don't know what they're planning on for Doom 3. We don't even know if they're planning on making a Doom 3, to be honest with you, but I would assume they are, because Doom Eternal not only was critically acclaimed, but it had a great story. Why would people not want more of that? And great gameplay. Mainly gameplay. Story was great in terms of Codex, but you know how it is. So, I'm just saying, I'm really interested in seeing what happens. But we will have a podcast. I will be sure to put one up within uh, the next two days of me just basically explaining to you guys what Doom 3 could be about and what's essentially going to probably go down in the Ancient Gods Part 2. I have no inside sources on anything Doom Eternal, so I'm basically just going off of pure speculation, but those podcasts tend to do pretty well, speculation podcasts, mainly when a movie's about to come out over a video game, because video game stuff is more concrete, you get more concrete uh, information about video games than you do the movies, because games are more about gameplay, well they should be, than story elements, but, so yeah. I will make sure to bring you guys that within the next few days, but I hope you all enjoyed, and I'll catch you all in the next one.